Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is episode 71 of the Distraction Pieces podcast. My name is Scroobius Pip. Some people know me as at Scroobius Pipio, but that's only in the digital realm. Thank you for tuning in. Um, big love that we've already received this week because of the, um, the Richard Herring podcast on Wednesday and this being your extra Friday special because it's December and I like Christmas and I want everyone to be happy and cheery and I want to give you treats of extra extra oh man i've just remembered i've just had a thing this guy this guy um i think he's scottish which freaked me out more this guy on twitter hit me up this is unrelated to everything this guy on twitter hit me up and he'd recorded a vine of him doing an impression of me saying welcome 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 um and it's freaked me out i've watched it at least a hundred times i think and it's really uncomfortable because he's doesn't look look anything like me i mean i'm not he's not ugly you know i mean obviously i'm 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 pretty much um a male model um i just chose a different path but um yeah he's he's not hairy so there's that um but yeah it's really weird i, I don't know why i'm talking about that i can't even remember his name but it, uh, it freaked me out so stop freaking me out guy um Speech Development Records is my label. Um, a lot of you will have seen our wonderful Black Friday offers that we had, which basically at speechdevelopmentrecords.com, I do this every year now, um, on Black Friday, we close because we don't want your money on that weird commercial holiday. I know all holidays are commercial now, but that's that's like un- unabashedly uh, commercial holiday. Um so yeah, that's the one day of the year that we're closed and we encourage you to instead spend your money on maybe a nice pizza or some cookies or going for a walk, like buying some healthy um, duck feed and going and feeding some ducks or squirrels, um, just doing something that doesn't involve sitting on your computer or going absolutely mental in a shop um trying to get these crazy deals which normally aren't really deals these are businesses you dummies um it means that the price they've been charging you the rest of the year is a fucking ripoff um and that's what we don't do that's uh, at speechrecords.com you can head there now and buy all your christmas goodness um we try and just make stuff as affordable as possible all year round and that sounds like a big plug and advert now but yeah that's kind of what it is that's why on black friday we closed it's the one day of a year that you can't give us your money. So hope you all enjoyed that. But you can head there now and there's still plenty of time, obviously, to get stuff in for Christmas. We've got my book. My DVD would be a great Christmas present. It's a do, it's a two-DVD set. So I'm just saying. Um, there's a brand-new bo- bo- bobble hat. In fact, I won't go into too much because we've got the Team 3W advert to come as well anyway. But, yeah, speechrelevantrecords.com. Check it out. A few people have been annoyed that I've been putting pictures of the Team 3W merch on social media, but they don't realise that it's still not just in the normal web store. You still need to, to listen. I've, I, at no point have I posted the Team 3W uh, address on social media. So I post the picture to tease people a bit, and then they go to the web store and it's not, it's not there. And it's like, yeah, it's because you can't have it because you're just pretending to, to be a fan and a listener when you're not. Anyway, this week's guest is John Osborne, who's fantastic. Um, I've known John for a while now. I met him 
I mean, we talk about a lot of this in the podcast, so it's not worth me going into too much detail, but I met him through a group of poets, including Tim Clare and Ross Sutherland and Chris Hicks and, uh, and Luke, and uh, Luke Wright and, and Joe Dunthorne, um, and some great people. Um, but he's just doing amazing at the moment and is a massive inspiration, I think. Um, so yeah, I won't go into too much detail because he goes into the detail in the podcast. So I, I will allow that and I will cut this intro short. I've been doing some long intros recently, which makes people mad sometimes, which I love. If you're mad, I'm at Scroobius Pip on Twitter and Instagram and facebook.com slash Scroobius Pip. Hit me up with your anger. It's hilarious to me. Um, this is John Osborne. Enjoy. my headphones but, but i'm sure we'll be f- uh, fine can you hear it on your headphones yeah are oh, you lucky duck um all right well there you oh, go. No, i can hear them i can hear music on my headphones right no no yeah, take them off that's nothing to do with us <laughs> that yeah. has been the start of the podcast me wondering about headphones I call, I call them cans cans oh look at you all professional yeah. you're radio expert um i'm joined by john osborne how are you sir uh i have turned up to meet you uh late and soaking wet because of rain yeah upon my request i said yeah. i will not i will not accept you on time or dry so. yeah i was going to come like two minutes early and nice and dry but um you weren't i'm into very that demanding i've got very specific i like <laughs> yeah. to feel um i'm a a, a in a position of power so i you will know i'm dry yeah and i got here last night and slept over in the studio (laughs) just so i was nice and early and dry so am i wet enough for you yeah just just about just about i've got some water so if it if you dry up (laughs) i mean we can go on for a while sometimes with these things if you dry up then we'll yeah we'll sort that out but how are you man i'm really good uh i've just got here on the train and i put uh i don't often do this and i don't know why but i just put all of my songs on my uh, phone onto shuffle yep. and put it full blast. And for yes. two hours, I've just had like a really lovely journey. And because I listen to lots of podcasts and because I do lots of writing, I don't often allow myself to just listen to yeah. like my favourite songs. Oh, if I, yeah. So I feel very. How, how much skipping did you do, if any? I do do songs, some. I would not, say not, a lot, not up and down the track. <laughs> enjoying. The yeah, music. I do a bit of both. <laughs> um, I would say I'm a ten percent skipper. Yeah, that's good. That's good. It depends. It depends on how busy the train is, and if you've got easy access to your phone. Yeah. Otherwise, you have to just. You don't want to elbow someone through. just to skip through. And a do you? Side. I'm going to go into this deeply here. Do you just sh- shuffle your songs in general, or have you got a playlist of? Here's the best. Here's my shuffle playlist. Essentially, every time I do all of my songs, and every time I do it, I think I need to sort myself out yeah. a shuffle playlist. Yeah, yeah, because it's tough, man. I've I've had that before. I was doing um, a James Acaster's show um, where he puts your your phone on shuffle, yeah. and it's great. I love him. He's, he's hilarious. And then we would. I, I'm not sure if I meant to say, but but he's filmed a pilot to try and make it a, t- a TV series, and for that, because I'd been doing some acting and the way. Because I've got no friends, I'm incredibly unsociable. The way I, I learn my lines is I record myself doing the other lines mm. and I act with myself. So okay. I'll have two versions on my phone, one with all the lines and one <laughs> missing out the lines I meant to learn. So because my phone was full of stuff like that, I was like, I need to make a little playlist that's just the songs. Yeah. So it was still random and still all my songs, but I was like, I don't want... 
embarrassing stuff to come up with also, me going, I, I, what I, are you doing? I assume the producers of that show also don't want Don't really want just me just having, yeah, just me talking to myself. It wouldn't be that entertaining. It's, Did you see his show, um, James Lancaster, his most recent Edinburgh show? I didn't, know. He's no. so funny. He's great. It's, I've I've, I've, I've mainly s- s- seen him on panel shows. Yeah. Um, my mum... Caught him at Edinburgh and said it was amazing. And yeah, I've, I've not I've not caught his show oh, yet. It's on at the moment good. though. I think he's touring again now. So yeah, he's good. Try and catch he's him. He's one of the good ones. So uh, I don't know where to start. Really, oh, oh, where should be oh, we begin? I don't want to jump straight into your amazing success at the moment because that'd feel trite. But yeah, that'd be awful. It's going it's going well right now. You've got a TV series. Yeah, that's the that's the headlines. Yeah, um, that's why I. I, well, do you know what? I, I'm not a person who often emails people sort of unprompted. Yeah. But I emailed you to say, can I come onto your podcast because yeah. I've got a sitcom that's on TV. Me and my friend Molly, well, I'll talk about it briefly and then we'll go into it in more detail. Yeah. But me and my friend Molly, um, three years ago, got drunk in a pub and decided to write a sitcom together. We'd never written a sitcom. We'd never written anything together. We had no real plans to do anything. We just thought, let's do it as a project to see what happens, to see what it would be like. And so... We after that drunken conversation, we talked about what the sitcom could be, and it's on telly at the moment, and, and we're really proud of it. We had a really nice time, and so um, we thought we'd, we'd try and let as many people as possible know. It's and, it's, it's it's amazing. I've, yeah. I've I've been loving it. It's called After Hours. It's got a, a, a Jamie Winston, the wonderful Georgina Campbell. She's I'm a big brilliant. fan. She's amazing. She's she did the, the murdered Obama boyfriend, yeah. and won loads of stuff last year for yeah. that. And I, I refuse to call him anything other than Father Dougal, but in, in general, there's a, a really great, a strong cast. And yeah, yeah. I mean, we will t- touch into it briefly and then come back because I want to j- let's talk about it a little, uh, uh, what it is at the start, and then later on, I want to get into the, the process of writing it and the process of of, of getting it made. But yeah. it's it's about a part of a radio station essentially that that takes place on a, a canal boat. Which yeah, I've uh, it, anyone who listened to our live podcast, we had. Um, a fan on called Keith who lives on a canal boat and my excitement mm. at canal boats was quite h- huge and people have f- found it l- laughable <laughs> but laughing at me but I, f- I do find it fascinating so I was all the more excited when I watched uh, the first episode and saw yeah I like those things in life that you mock and then think about it and then realise that they are absolutely right That's people who live on a boat yeah. you think why do they live on a boat and go oh because it's a beautiful really idyllic wonderful, way to live yeah. a, a way to live and doesn't have so many of the ties of our current, every current form of living, whether it be extortionate renting or extortionate mortgages and deposits yeah. and, and leases and things like that. It's like, right, that's live far on a more. Boat. Just live on a boat, Get man. A boat. But yeah, so it's, 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 it's about a part of a, a radio station, essentially, in a small town, in bloody Shanklin. Oh, no, it's Shankly. It's like a. Oh, fiction- is it Shankly? Shankly, yeah, it's a See, fictional that's it. town. That's where I heard it wrong. I heard it as Shankly. Yeah. It does we'll, sound too similar I mean, to we'll get into this, yeah. but obviously I've had you at Bestival numerous times, yeah. and I always stay at Shankly in Bestival. Oh, so I was like, yeah. has that had some inverted influence? But clearly not. So I'm well, we can on pretend that, it's Shankly. Yeah, like. let's pretend for this podcast it's all based in Shankly, and that was the main influence and tipping point yeah but you know so that was one of two times in my life i remember sort of emailing someone unsolicited yeah. with a quite cheeky request going yeah, yeah. hi scooby's pip i never know whether to, on my email whether to how to start the email yeah. hi scooby's pip hi pip yeah. hi mr pip i like Senior it pip. See, see most uh, people call me just pip but uh, one of my favorite people brett goldstein who we had on the podcast mm. as well always in person and in email or on the phone will call me Scroobius Pip yeah. before each time I'm like 
Hi, Scroobius. Oh, thank you, Scroobius Pip. And I, yeah. I thoroughly enjoy that from him. So, yeah. It's, but it's but when I've heard people call you Pip, it always sounds, sounds quite cool. I don't think I can pull it off. <laughs> So I just go, I, hi, mate, I think I normally go, but what, mate? Um, but the, so the other time that I remember emailing was um, back in the day, in 2009, this is the first time that I met you, was uh, when you were doing Colin Murray's Radio 1 show, yes. a late night spoken word slot. Yeah. And I listened to Ross Sutherland do a poem on it, and I'm friends with Ross, yeah. and Ross is my favourite poet. He's amazing. And I emailed you really cheekily and just said... Um, oh, I really like what you do on Colin Murray's show. Can I, if you ever need more poets, can yeah. I come on and have a go? And you emailed me back and just said, yeah, we're actually, we're getting a load of people together in a couple of months. I'll add you to the list. And then I went in there and then I got an e- another email saying, thank you for coming along. By the way, if you want to do Camp Festival, yeah. come along. So as a result of Camp Festival, I've, I've done the last five festivals. Yeah. It's a lot of festivals, isn't it? It's a lot it? of festivals. I mean, I love it because it's one of the things, again, I think we talked about with when Josie Long was on, was the, is the fact that so many of these things are really close-knit and, and really simple and easy to get involved in. It's yeah. people actually putting in the effort to get involved because the fact is that's exactly how I got on a lot of spoken word nights was I'd be at an open mic or at something and someone would be handing out a flyer mm. and I'd say, oh, can I come and do something at like that? And they yeah. go, yeah, because the fact is they really need people to do stuff. Mm. You really want to do stuff. It's kind of... Yeah, it benefits everyone. So yeah, but I do think about that sometimes. I think if I hadn't emailed you after hearing Ross on Radio One, yeah, you wouldn't have booked me for camp. Best. Maybe this would have happened in the end. Maybe yeah, we yeah. passed would have crossed in a different way. But I don't. Like, I think if I hadn't sent out that slightly cheeky email, I wouldn't have done Camp Festival, and then I wouldn't have done the last five festivals. And I've yeah. had such good times at all of those things. It's great. No, again, I think there is a. Uh, a, a, a some logic there and I always like to be nice and frank about things I'd, 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 at that point it was, it was when I was first booking like the festivals mm. and that and at that point I was really like right it's a festival it's kind of a tough crowd people uh, someone like Ross or, or, or Joshua Eden and, and people like that are really hard hitting grab them and I'd seen your stuff before and felt you were amazing but quite quiet and, and, and soft with it and I thought would that work at a festival crowd so I'd I'd considered it and then when you hit me up it prompted it mm. and again it was a wonderful a, re- a revelation because f- from the first one yeah. you've gone down a treat and it's been, been so fun. it fits so well at a festival in particular that everyone on an island yeah and yeah. And they're so cool those people who can come to watch the, yeah. those, those spoken word afternoons or yeah. evenings now aren't they do you know something funny that you said to me um we got there last year, I yeah. think it was the first day, and it was just me and you got there first, and this, I think just like a fan, a Pip yeah. fan, came up and said, oh my God, the spoken word lineup's so good this year, it's so exciting, he was really excited. And then um, you said, yeah, we've got some of the, we've got the finest spoken word artists in the whole of the country performing this weekend, plus John, who's very reliable. <laughs> <laughs> and I, 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 I like those things that are half a joke and half true, that like I will t- turn up... I won't cause any fuss, <laughs> and I, I won't be, won't be too You see, I always I worry I get over-familiar f- with festivals and introduce a new one time. And again, we've met plenty of times, but mainly at work. Yeah, mainly so in fields. Yeah, so mainly in fields, but I, I, I always remember introducing you a, a one-year at festival and wondering if I'd been too familiar, because I think I went something along, along the lines of this guy... Um, is so dedicated. He's made sure he really looks as if he's been living in a field for the last three <laughs> days. Because you know, you really you go again. That's the beauty of the the spoken word 
most of the people I book on the on the spoken word scene is that I mean the fees all right, but more mm. than anything, you get an amazing weekend, it's an amazing great festival. Weekend, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's really enjoyable. And I've had people turn it down because the fees haven't been good enough. Mm. And I'm I'm non negotiable on my fees. Yeah. I'm kind of I have my slots, and it's like I this is I. When we started it, I know for a fact it was the best paying spoken word gig it was, yeah. on the festival circuit. So yeah. although my budgets haven't grown and some might be better or some might be worse, yeah. it's still I know they're good for, for the amount of time you're having to do and things like that. So I've had agents and that try and hardball me and go, all right, well, how about... And they think I'm hardballing when I'm yeah. saying, it'd be best if you play so... And it's not... I never take offence. If someone has got to a point where their fee has to be this much, then that's fine. I don't want to undercut or, yeah. or make them worth less to other promoters or anything like that. But, but yeah, they've, they've yeah. constantly thought I'm hardballing when I'm like, no, 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 let's leave it. They're like, all right, well, maybe if we do this. And then it's like, no, I've retracted the invitation. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I've been going to festivals since I was 16. And so yeah. the fact that for the last seven or eight years, I've been paid to go to them to perform. It's crazy, it's isn't it? so much fun. I love um, it. And my introduction... To, or Glastonbury is the one that um, I've been to at least ten times, mm. and I've never paid because originally I couldn't afford to pay, so I'd go there and break in. Yeah, and then I had the genius idea of making a career. Yeah, so good you get idea in for free. And uh, how's that yeah, going for you? <laughs> it's, it's, it works a treat. It's yeah. such a good blag. Um, but what was your kind of uh, uh, musical upbringing then? You've always been heavily into music. That comes across in a lot of your. Your Edinburgh shows, your book, your and and the TV show, of course. So yeah. So what was your musical upbringing, and where did you get your music from initially? Um, I was a Blur fan. I didn't yeah. care about music until I saw Blur. Yeah. Like quite slightly late later on than probably I was about fifteen or sixteen. Yeah. So like as a young teenager, I just had absolutely no interest. My parents weren't in, weren't music fans. Oh wow. My I got into I've got a twin sister. I don't have older most people getting through it through their big brother big yeah, sister yeah, yeah, yeah. i had a twin sister and she got into blur and oasis sort of during Britpop, yeah. and so i sort of followed on from her and then checked out yeah so it was the Britpop that really influenced me i thought the blur and pulp and oasis and but, it was a time where you couldn't just get into it lightly you got yeah. so into it. i was thinking the other day i was thinking i'm i don't think i was that into all the Britpop, and i remembered i was fucking hugely into it. i had a HMV import of a live Blur album, yeah. the Japanese one, I think, yeah, it is, and things that, like that. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, in my mind, I was into him for a bit, but with with Blur and Pulp and everyone at that time, yeah. even if you're into him for a bit, you were heavily into them for, yeah, that, totally. for that period of time. Um, and yeah, I just would get their CDs and just listen to the, the Super Furry Animals, especially. I would just yeah. listen to them over and over again. And then as I got a bit older, I discovered, first of all, Steve Lamack's show on Radio One, yep. uh, which introduced me to some slightly more interesting indie music. And then um, I listened to John Peel's show on Radio One late at night. And that was the introduction to bands like the Velvet Underground and the Smiths and yeah. Pixies that I'd never heard before. Effectively, all the bands you'd missed yeah at that point so it's yeah. great that john peel is known for for breaking new bands and for being this but it was also his show in general remained a historical show at the same time he would have brand yeah. new stuff and he would have stuff that's like you should know this and you know yeah he just true education all around yeah he'd just stick on how soon is now by the smiths and yeah. then follow that up with like some girl who'd made a record in her bedroom and yeah. made one copy and sent it to john peel and yeah. then reggae and it was it's a hard thing to talk about because so many people have told the John Peel story and they know how influential he is. But that's why um, he's was so important to me because I didn't have the old, I didn't have 
call a friends or older friends or anything yeah, so like that. So you got to be the older sibling to, I had, to guide you through this. Yeah, yeah. And in music, stage is a, like a massively important part of, yeah, like you say, yeah. everything I've done. Um, so, so when did you start writing and what was your kind of birth into that? Did you grew up in Norwich, right? Is it, is no. you from originally? Or what? I moved to Norwich when I was 18 to, do, oh, right. uh, to start university. Right, there, right, right. University right, right. of East Anglia. So where did you grow up? A little town called Brigg in Lincolnshire, nice. about half an hour from Lincoln. Yeah. A pretty, pretty little market town. Uh, very nice. Still like going back there whenever I can. Yeah. Um, some really nice friends there. And that's, that was, they were my Britpop years. Yeah. Uh, and then I came to university. And so... I never really wrote that much. I always wanted to be a writer. Yeah. I remember watching Roald Dahl being interviewed from his shed on Going Live one Saturday morning. Amazing. And I thought I'd quite like a job where I sat in the shed and, yeah. and wrote stuff. So I loved reading books. Um, but in a sort of like, not in a serious sort of like, like bookwormy way, just like I was very happy, very contented when I had a book to read. Enjoying a story, yeah. Enjoy a story. And um, it was only when I, when I started university... I did German as my degree. Oh, I did wow. German and business studies. Damn, that's a serious combination. It's a, it's a very serious combination. There's a man on the roof. There's a man at the window, yeah. There's, yeah. A, there's some scaffolding outside. I believe, I'm not sure which part of the square are we at. Because I noticed that they've just built a, t- a, a, a TGI Fridays. Yeah. Store. That's... I got confused walking here because the building, <laughs> I'm so... Simple. If just one bit of scaffolding, I suddenly think I have no idea. No idea even though I've walked past this building a thousand times. Um, so anyway, that man's distracted us slightly. But yeah, it seems me. nice. I could have seems happy. I could have just not mentioned him. No, I like it. I think yeah. we're bringing the people in. There's always a excitement of, and particularly a scaffolder working in the rain. I mean, that must be terrifying. I think you should interview the scaffolder for your next I think podcast. We'll get him in next time. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's probably too busy. <laughs> yeah, he's scaffolding. He's not like us writer types. <laughs> he's just not take a day to go and sit around talking. Um, so I started the University <laughs> of East Anglia doing German and business, yeah. um, but I joined the Creative Writing Society right. um, because you didn't have to be part of the creative, write, creative writing degree. Anyone could go to it. And it was just this room of people sitting around uh, in a circle reading out stuff they'd written. Yeah. And I'd never written anything. I'd written some, I, I guess you would call them song lyrics or just yeah. poems that were in a notebook that I never thought were anything other than just my own amusement. And yeah, they were yeah. probably just terrible teenage who knows what they were about yeah. probably fancying girls I've refound <clears> some <throat> of them over recently <laughs> yeah, yeah. right, oh, I guess that kind of counts as when I actually started writing poetry because yeah. I wrote them as song lyrics but I wasn't in a band yeah so yeah I don't know what I th- don't thought they were <laughs> I was the same I'd written all my stuff as song lyrics but there's no songs to yeah. go with these song lyrics um, and so Creative Writing Society the first time I went there was a guy who was in my year um who read out this story he'd written yeah. and it blew my mind. I thought it was the most incredible story. And that was Tim Clare, who yeah. we know, now know is an incredible, he just had his first novel published, a yeah. brilliant, one of the most amazing performers. Again, another regular at Bestival and yeah. Festival and just an amazing performer. And Unlike anyone else, really, so original, so many like interesting ideas and just yeah. funny, yeah. really completely, funny completely. and rude. Yeah. <laughs> um, and... I said to him afterwards, like, that story was amazing. I said, I've 
you remember what it was about at all? What kind of? It, I don't, obviously, I don't need. I don't it, need to tell his whole story. But. It, all I, it was about a brother and sister in mm. a little town, and it was something he'd written as a for the Western Super Mayor short story competition. Oh, wow. But I just remember he just created this whole village, and he talked in such precise detail about like the the trousers the little boy was wearing, and yeah. like the church, and it was like I didn't. It was really exciting, and. Yeah. And he said to me, well, if you're interested in stories, you should write a story and read it out next week. So I went straight to my flat and wrote a short, my first ever short story. That's amazing. That's such an amazing and simple bit of yeah. advice. If you're interested in this, you should do that yeah. before next week. Yeah. Okay, and I so I came along the next week and he said to me, I thought that was brilliant. Like everyone, in, it seemed to be really positive. There's maybe yeah. like 15 people around uh, in, in, in this circle, in this room. And he said, that was brilliant. I think you should just do a different story every week. And like, whenever you write something, email it to me. I'd really like to read it. And we had that relationship for like a, a year, really, just me and him. And, and there turns to be lots of people who have now gone on to have writing careers. Like um, the year below, there was Joe Dunthorne and yeah. Luke wrote Wright. Submarine and wrote Submarine. Doing, yeah, amazing stuff. Yeah, and Luke Wright was in our year who yep. was doing lots of poetry gigs and yep. has, hasn't stopped since no literally hasn't stopped since and has had amazing successful runs at Edinburgh and and, and running the uh, Latitude Poetry stage yeah. for, for a long time now so yeah that's a and so I met all these people yeah I met all these people as 18 year olds and um I I was always a little bit distant from the group because I was I was really shy growing up I was really shy as a teenager I was quite I was quite happy hanging out with my sister and hanging out with my three or four friends yeah. and being in my room listening to Britpop and yeah. John Peel and yeah. watching yeah. football yeah. like I was really content with that like, I wasn't shy as in like nervous about leaving the house I just didn't didn't have any desire to didn't have any desire I didn't know how to communicate with yeah. the people just assume they would have absolutely no interest in yeah. anything that I had to say which I still think is a valid point. <laughs> and, um, and so these guys were going off doing really exciting things and I just stayed in contact with them and I would just write and, and as I was w- watched their careers improve, I would sort of, everyone got better because the other people were getting yeah. better and we all stayed, sort of became, became really good friends, which sort of leads us on to 2006. So that was 2000 when yeah. I started university when I was 18. And me and Joe Dunthorne and our friend Hannah Walker, who is now a very successful theatre maker and poet, Amazing. the three of a lot of people left, like London left, uh, Luke left to go to London, Tim went back to Portishead. Lots of people moved around, but me, Hannah, and Joe were the three people that remained. And we used to meet up and write poems. We do this thing called speed poetry, where we go out to a pub, uh, we drink, and we'd think of a title and then. We'd just not talk to each other, and for 10 minutes we'd write a poem. And then we'd read the poems to each other, say what we thought, Amazing. and then think of another title, and 10 more minutes we'd write a poem. And we'd do it at the pub or at each other's houses, and we'd put music on and like get drunk, and, or we'd go to the park. And one day Hannah said to me, oh, it feels weird that we've got all of these poems, we've got like 100 poems written in the last few months, uh, and we've, none of us have ever, have ever done a gig. So we've booked a cafe... And we're going to do a gig. You're going to do 10 minutes. Joe's doing 10 minutes. Mm. Hannah said she was doing 10 minutes. And we'll get a few other people in as well. And so that was my first ever gig. Uh, I never wanted to do a gig. I never thought I would do a gig. That's not why I was writing poems. I was writing them to hang out with my friends. Yeah. Uh, and because I enjoyed it. And a minute before I was announced on stage, Luke Wright turned up late and drunk. Brilliant. As is very much his style. Yeah. Um, and... 
he saw me do my poems and he came up to me afterwards and said, that was great. In two months, there's this festival starting up called Latitude. I'm booking the poetry tent. Do you want to come along and do some poets? I still need a couple more slots to fill. So again, I didn't think anything of it. I just thought, yeah, I'll go along to Latitude and had this amazing time at Latitude, like working out what poems to do. Then someone in that audience came up to me afterwards and said, that was great. I won this this night at Whitechapel Art Gallery. Do you want to come to that? And that's basically what I've been doing ever since. From there, I love that. And again, I love how interlinked and and tight and knit it all is. And, and, And the fact there is that was after your first ever gig, but that was also a hundred poems deep into yeah. your career. So, so again, you'd, you, although you'd been doing it leisurely and for, mm. for entertainment, it's kind of, yeah. It looks now like it was like very much planned. Like yeah. it was a very, like a really good career plan of like just write loads and loads. So I do worry about, you must see these kids doing open mic now, these 18 year old kids. And I always wonder whether that's a sensible thing to do because for some kids it's absolutely fine. But yeah. I think if I'd done a gig when I was 18, yeah, it would have ruined my confidence and I would have never gone on stage again and never tried again. But some some 18 year olds are more confident than I was as an 18 year old. I've got that there, but yeah. So, I mean, you, you kept a very much in touch and connected with Luke, with with Tim and then with Ross Sutherland and and Chris Hicks. Mm. Were you one of the founding members of, of, of poetry's first ever a boy band, nah, uh, as it was dubbed. That was Isle 16, and that Isle was 16. Ross and Luke uh, and this guy, Yanni. Right. Uh, oh, yeah, I remember Yanni. Yeah, yeah. you don't forget Yanni. You don't forget once Yanni. Him. He's a brilliant poet. He's sort of retired to the countryside now. Yeah, yeah. Um, drinking his 4% cider in his shed, listening to Test Match Special. Perfect. It's very much my career goal. Yeah, yeah um, that's, the, that's the dream. <laughs> that's the dream. Um, and, yeah, they they formed... Well, basically, in the 2000, I think 1999 they formed it because no one was doing poetry gigs. There was no, the, the scene now is huge, the spoken yeah. word scene. Yeah. No one was really doing it back then. And Luke had seen John Cooper Clark and Ross's dad was a big John Cooper Clark fan. Right. And so they were very much influenced by John Cooper Clark. And John Cooper Clark was not really doing gigs at the time. No, no. Um, he was sort of in his, in his in-between years. Yeah. Um, so the only way they could make gigs happen was to make them happen themselves. So they went up to Edinburgh all the time. They were always running nights in Norwich. And ev- they ran a night on Sunday night, Sunday evenings, and when I was at university. And every Sunday evening, I thought, I'm going to go along and do a poem. Yeah. But, but I also played football on Sunday evenings. <laughs> and so every Sunday, I would just think, oh, now I'll just go and play football. Just, yeah. And I always thought, that's my opportunity missed, because I wasn't brave, not courageous enough to go to this open mic gig and I yeah. played football instead um, but then luckily this sort of latitude thing happened and yeah. it all went on from there and um, yeah and the, but the, the most thing the, the important thing is we've always had such a nice time hanging out with your friends so many of my again, friends it's are good because there is such a I mean you, you guys all kind of came together when you started doing homework which is a great n- a night which yeah we yeah. we definitely have to talk about but the thing I always liked was I do kind of associate all of you together. I link. I always mm. think of, um, uh, and when I'm uh, I'm booking for camp festival or festival, it's always awkward because it's like, well, I've got these slots, but who? Yeah. Who should, I don't want to. Am I going to offend Ross if I don't book Ross? Yeah. But I do book John or Tim and all this kind of thing. But there's such a variation in styles and approaches. So it's not just a group of poets who are all really similar and mm. all. You can you can 
can, can take your pick and it'll be yeah, kind well, of you'll get the same experience. There's such a variation and range in you. I think that's how I got my style a little bit. Is that At first I thought, well, I can't perform poetry because I'm not loud and confident and uh, I don't like have this like ability to rhyme like Luke does and like yeah. Tim does. Yeah. And I thought that was like my real weakness. But then I thought, well, actually... That'd be a terrible thing to do because they already do that. They're already doing that. And it's I, covered. And I remember and you being, can't get louder than Luke and Tim. Like, no, like they can compete yeah. on the loudness, but again, it's not worth entering that and night. They do compete on they the do, loudness. Yeah, they do. Uh, that's when they're happiest. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I also because I'd not watched much poetry, I'd not read much poetry, so I didn't really know what I was doing. Yeah. Uh, which again, if, I think is a strength of just people say, "Oh, I didn't really know what to expect." It's like, yeah, well, neither I did didn't I. Even, really. No, I, again. I, couldn't agree more it's why i always often get asked to do school stuff and workshops Mm. and i shy away from it because i think number one i wasn't taught how to do any of this and number two i think a lot of people don't take into account how much of a skill teaching is yeah it's a genuine and complex skill yeah so in a way i'm kind of not arrogant enough to think i can just stroll in and go yeah i'll show these kids kids how it's done it's like no like people like polar bear and i'm sure luke has done a lot of workshops and stuff like that People like Polar Bear and Tempest and Luke and all that have got great techniques and yeah. have honed that skill. Whereas yeah. I always feel you're booking me because I'm known as a spoken word artist and I'll come in and go, so just write poems then. Yeah. That's what I do, just sit down and write. That's what's, yeah. It's not much I, of a lesson. Yeah. It's not much of a lesson. It's like, I can, I can just email that to you. I can email <laughs> yeah. that. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. here's, here's a playlist of Britpop songs. <laughs> yeah. Go get, open a bottle of wine and yeah. Uh, have, yeah, have a nice Enjoy time. Enjoy yourselves. Yeah. Um, but that's interesting about Luke and Kate Tempest is that although they're very so contemporary and so current and right about the world today, like Luke's main influence is John Betjeman and Kate's main influence is William Blake. It's like yeah. they they know their stuff and I I yeah, don't know my stuff. Whereas something like um, uh, like writing books, I feel like I've written three books which I feel like I've I feel happier in that world. I feel like more mm-hmm. confident and like more a, a part of that world. And certainly for some reason, writing this sitcom has made me feel like script writing is the closest uh, I've ever felt to being a writer. I think right. I, kn- I, know ha- I know how that works. Even though I've never had any training or... Like, yeah. I, I just feel like I have a grasp of it that I've not... I, I don't feel like I'm making it up as I'm going along like I do with yeah. most of the rest of yeah, my life. it's something that... And again, I'm only just kind of starting on some script writing, but it's something that as soon as you start, you kind of... Get, have to have a moment of annoyance that you've only just started doing yeah. this because it does like the first thing I started to write I was like I've been putting this off for so long because I'm scared of not knowing what I'm doing and mm. scared of the format and it's so I don't know it feels incredibly n- natural it's, yeah. it's, it's a form of writing that has kind of a distinct path in many ways that, that yeah. you, the, the, the bulk of it is having the idea and then seeing it through Yeah, you, as weird as that sounds obviously there's a lot more to it and a lot more complexities but at the basis, it's that. It's going, right, here's my idea, now I need to write it. And, and that might end up shit, but you can complete a readable, feasible screenplay if you, yeah. if you carry out those those actions. Yeah. And it, yeah. It's, it's an, it's, it's, I'm just so fascinated with it. I've, I've, I, like, I love doing it. And yeah, we wrote, I was lucky because um, Molly, who I wrote our sitcom After Hours with, had done an MA in script writing. Yeah. And so she could say, this is the thing, this is the programme you need to download. And we both wrote... Oh, what programme do you write on? Well, we used a free uh, um, bit of software called Celtex, right, which excellent. is pretty good, which is great for beginners. But then 
we got Final Draft, yeah. which is quite expensive, but is yeah. really slick and nice it's to use. And, and puts it all together. Yeah, and it does nice. things for you. And it, yeah, again, the simplicity of you can have your characters all just all the different yeah. the layout and format. Again, the first time I started one, I can't remember which a uh, one I'm using now because I had another one recommended that's not that's not oh f- fade. Fade in. Yeah, fade that's like, yeah, something I, I, that like that. That one recommended. Yeah. And again, y- y- you're right. It's it does so much, or it takes so much of the scary s- stuff away. Yeah, it's like right. There's a button to click. You can go right. I'll make this an exterior. Make this yeah. bang, 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 and then you just you, you're writing. Yeah. It, are you writing dialogue at this point, or are you doing this? And it's like yeah, I, it's it's crazy how simple it sets it all out. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, um, and so yeah, I've really in, like that, but. I also think that one thing I really enjoy is not being a scriptwriter, not being a novelist, not being a poet. I, like, I just like doing all of those things. Like Completely. I would never like to just have to only do one thing for. I've said numerous forever. times. I think a, a variation of of, of 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 options on your on your plate is a great way to get things done. Because I mean, it sounds stupid said this way, but I always feel the best way to to finish a project is to have another project that you want to do yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'd rather, I don't, I can't think on that at the moment, so I'll work on this instead, and that's, that that, that kind of pushes you through. So have you, when you were a, a writing the books you've written, were you balancing other things at the same time, or was that a, a an undertaking? Because again, I mean, and not to keep bringing him up, but Tim Clare is a great one on Twitter, yeah. giving advice to writers, and advice on how to, and, you know, for having a breakdown about, yeah. uh, about how he's he's not getting this finished or not getting that finished. But again... Yeah, he does a blog, Death, yeah. Death by a Thousand Cuts, which is one of the most fascinating blogs about writing and yeah. about being a writer and advice for writers. Um, yeah, I feel like... Yeah, when I first wrote my book, I was I, I started to write my first book at about the same time that I was first doing poetry. So yeah. it was that year um, after university when... I was in Norwich. Um, Joe Dunthorne was writing Submarine. I was writing a book called The News Agent's Window. Do you know what happened? Because you're a fan of him. I read Dave... My sister bought me Dave Gorman's book. Yes. Uh, Are You Dave Gorman? Yeah. And I read it. And all in one go, I loved it so yeah. much. The, the, the conceit being that he tried to meet 54 people, all called Dave Gorman, yeah. which is such a stupid idea. But he made it so beautiful because he would meet people that he'd never have met otherwise and so he would have to meet and shake hands with each Dave Gorman and there was one section one of the Dave Gormans uh he emailed him and said can I I need to need to meet all of these Dave Gormans can I meet you and so he said yeah come around to my I'm working all day but come around to my house when I'm on my lunch break and I can meet you then and you can have a game of Scrabble if you like and so he met Dave Gorman went around and played Scrabble with this other Dave Gorman and the Dave Gorman's Dave Gorman's wife and he said they played Scrabble on their lunch break every day for like 20 years they'd have the same lunch break and they'd go home play a game of Scrabble and then go back to work and he showed Dave Gorman the the logbook of uh, every scorecard they'd ever had that's amazing and it was just like this document of like domestic bliss really and balance so are you Dave Gorman it's such a like silly idea like and it had these beautiful moments and yeah, I thought he's, he's, he's a master of again a lot of people can say easily oh right he just comes up with an idea and then <laughs> yeah it's that but it's like well no it's not it's no coincidence that he comes up with ideas that always have amazing stories and yeah. amazing part of that is because he's an amazing writer 
And part of that is just how he is as a human, I think. Yeah, putting he, himself in these situations and finding this... He asks the right questions and he wants stories. And, yeah. Um, so I read Are You Dave Gorman? And I just thought, this is such an incredible book. Uh, and then I saw... Um, I was outside a news agent's um, and I saw all of the cards yeah. in the window... And I thought, Dave Gorman's next book should be called The Newsagent's Window, and he should just reply to all of those cards of people selling their cars, people yeah. uh, offering massages, people giving, selling their uh, exercise bike. Yeah. He should go and meet those people, and um, that'd be a really interesting book because these people are inviting you into their homes. Yeah. And it, didn't, it was about two weeks until I suddenly thought, hang on, I really want to write a book. Yeah. Maybe that's the way to do it. Yeah, I've had an idea that I've, of a book that I would want to read. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I should write that. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe other people will want to read it. <laughs> yeah, and so I wrote three chapters, and I decided to try and find an agent, probably after advice from Tim Clare. Yeah, <laughs> and um, I sent it to three or four different agents, and I got one response from an agent who just said, "This sounds great. Do you want to come and meet me?" And I suddenly, I was like. I didn't th- know that happened. I just thought it was universal rejection. Yeah. And so suddenly I found myself in coming to London, which was quite rare for me back then. Yeah. Um, and I had a meeting with an agent who just said, I think this is a great idea for a book. Um, I think you should write it. I'll help you with it. And then we'll try and get you a book deal. Yeah. And so for the next year I wrote this book, but that was also when I was writing poems with Joe and Hannah yeah. and so I'd have like and also I worked at Anglia Windows at the same time as well so I had sort of a nine to five job yeah. and then my evenings and weekends a hell of a lot of writing it was a hell of a lot of writing um, but again because I really loved it and because I wanted to know what happened with this book and so I ended up getting a, a book deal for the newsagent's window um, and it was a book deal for two books and the other one was about radio well in, in the meeting at the publishers they said do you have any other ideas for a book and I said well I'd I've always wanted to write a book about radio where every chapter is a different radio station. And they basically said, all right, we Go want you to do that book now. Yeah. So I had to do that book first. So the book that I spent a year on, um, we spoke about for like five minutes in this meeting. And then the book that I'd sort of like scribbled down, they were um, like, can you spend the, the next year of your life doing that? And so I wrote this the one I've just spent. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is amazing. So yeah, so I, I wrote a book about radio and it's yeah. book of the week on radio four i just amazing when that happens you think well that's my career sorted yeah turns out not to be the case but it's a fun week while it happens yeah i was just i can't think if it was on the podcast or in 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 normal life i was discussing this the other day they, they normal have life those things in normal life <laughs> yeah non-podcast life um where you do have those things and i remember talking to someone just before going on the on the Joe Rogan podcast, which I'm a massive fan of his mm. podcast, and I know it gets millions of listeners, and they were saying to me, "Yeah, it's it's exciting, it's amazing," and then it's happened, mm. and then life's normal again. And yeah. there's one them of you. You have those certain things that you think, "Well, this wow, yeah, well that's it now, yeah, I'm set." And it's like, "Well, no, that is you shouldn't." Underplay how amazing that is. Still, that is still an amazing yeah. thing, but it might not be the life changing thing that you. Or, uh, let's be blunt about it, the financial uh, mm. life-changing thing that you expect these things to be. Because it is a weird one, because it is still life-changing that you've, you, you were yeah. booked. That's, that, that's yeah. amazing. And then you think back to watching Roald Dahl on Going Live yeah. when you were seven years old, and you think, oh, I have done what... Yeah. But because you're involved in so many different things... You, you, yeah. It, and the Im- deeper you're into it, the more the, yeah. the goalposts are moved. Like, you, constantly and constantly. The uh, Initially... 
the most and, and I remember I'm, I sent this to this is going to sound like awful name dropping now but when Adele's first album came mm. out I sent her a message and, and similar with Kate Nash because both of them I'd gigged with for a while and thought were amazing and then when they got signed their albums were suddenly going to be a huge deal and mm. chasing number one and all this kind of thing and sent them a message just saying look in the middle of all this and particularly now you you wrote the album months ago you've now been in the middle of this promo thing forever take a minute to realise you've got a record in a yeah, shop yeah yeah that's, that's the amazing. best amazing I remember the first time I spoke to Adele on, on, on MySpace with both I think Adele had joined on, on I think it was on the first night she had joined someone had pointed to one of my pieces of Thousand Words mm. and we were talking and at that point she was about to go to uni and was going to stop doing music for a bit to focus on uni mm. and I remember at that time again having no influence but saying I don't know man you seem to be getting <laughs> yeah. some traction you should stick it out like both things could wait you know, it's an option. Yeah. You could say, I'll defer uni for a year and do music for a year. Because I'd done that of quitting my job and spending a year doing this. So I, was, I remember at that point just saying, you know, that could be worth going at this at this music lark. Yeah. And then obviously that all turned into t- 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 to wherever it has. But yeah, having did, that did moment... You, did you send a message on MySpace saying, I think... You're welcome. I think you'll be doing... Um, the James Bond theme in five yeah, years' yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's worth persisting and then go to uni. But um, just that thing of everything then... the the goalposts get moved and take a minute to step back and go I've got a record in a shop yeah how amazing is that and yeah. again you think of literally a year before I've got a record that's actually out and on the shelf in HMV I know that's changing now as, as physical records are dying off but still that moment of that so again which before, is why I, why I enjoy best of all really like you do try yeah. and latitude you do try and take a moment to look around and go oh things can't be going too badly this yeah, is this, I'm here this is all right paid so paid to be here it's yeah. insane yeah but I'm so yeah, so you've you've now had a three books. Yeah. So again, what made you kind of drift towards screenwriting rather than than than, than novels? Um, it's because I did a sh- it's because I did a show called John Peel Sheds. Oh yeah, I mean, let's get on back. I'm going to change the questions constantly as we discuss things. Yeah. Here, but it's, it's it's something I wanted to discuss as well. Your Edward Fringe show. Yeah. Um, that was the first one that I saw get a lot of love and attention. Yeah, was about the radio. Yeah, and your, as I said, the book that you you pitched as a, a second option yeah. was the one that got excited about and about our radio and now the TV show. So, are they all the, into the trilogy? Are they? Yeah, are they a a, a Conetto trilogy, a Peel trilogy of of sorts or? Um, it sounds like the the most boring trilogy, the radio trilogy. The radio trilogy. Uh, the, the, the what? The what? Are, Slightly awkward man in his early thirties thinks about radio trilogy. trilogy. What a trilogy! Um, yeah. It is. Yeah, they are all interconnected because the book about radio, um, I wrote about, like sort of my obviously. John, there's a chapter about John Peel in mm. there, uh, and that's where I first wrote about this box of records that I won in 2002. I won a box of records from John Peel's uh, on John Peel's Radio One show. Yeah, uh, he did this random competition where anyone listening could write in he wanted to, people to write in to say why they enjoyed listening to his show yeah uh, and he said the winner the person with the best answer would win a box of records from his shed uh, it was obviously with some the sony awards that they were eligible for and there was a like one of the uh, parts of the entry form was why do people listen to your show and right. so they thought instead of writing that That's themselves awesome. they would get the listeners yeah, yeah, to do yeah, it I love that. and so i 
this is again like a complete chance a bit like I said about other things about writing the sitcom that I happened to be listening to it that night and I wrote down a line I wrote down records you want to hear played by a man who wants you to hear them and I had an envelope and a stamp on my desk and I went out and posted it like there and then yeah I think if I hadn't had an envelope and stamp I would have just like thrown it in the bin the next day I would have just looked at it and thought what what why did I write that weird sentence um and then a couple of weeks later these two of John Peel's friends turned up in a van with my records. Amazing. And so I had these records for 10 years in my front room, just thinking, like just getting them out occasionally and playing them. And it was frustrating. It was such a magical, important box of significant box of records. And I needed to do something with them. So I took them along to a radio studio in Norwich Mm. where I live. Um, Future Radio, a really cool community radio station. And I said to them, can I, I said to the, this girl, Simone, who worked there, can I do a show where I just play some records from this collection from John Peel? And she helped me do it. And she yeah. basically a studio like we're in now. And she just taught me how to use the software. She taught, she's the one who taught me that headphones are called cans. Excellent <laughs> knowledge. And, um, and so I made these five podcasts and they were broadcast on this radio station uh, where I just played the music, uh, played my favourite tracks from the collection and talked about the bands in between. And this guy came up to me in Edinburgh, who I knew a bit, called Tom Searle, who had a, a production company called yeah. Show and Tell. Uh, and they were working at t- he was working at the time with Luke, and he was working with Laura Dockrill and Simon Munnery, and he's now doing stuff with Joe C. Long and Tony Law and Ross as well. On, on loads of stuff. I remember, Steve, I remember him putting on Stephen Merchant on one of his, his yeah. early... early runs of that so yeah yeah and he said to me i just listened to your podcasts you do realize that would be an amazing edinburgh show and this was a conversation in edinburgh as well at the underbelly and he just said if you write a script i will produce it and do all of the boring bits brilliant and so i wrote it sort of that week in edinburgh because i quite like writing stuff when i'm surrounded by creative yeah, things yeah, going yeah. on do you find yeah, that yeah 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 completely i found it i've i've only been to edinburgh festival once but it blew me away just yeah. being surrounded by all that. i got the most writing done i got the most work done and just felt yeah. you were really disciplined that edinburgh weren't yeah, i didn't you? really party at all yeah. i really I, I gigged every night and wrote every morning yeah but i'd also go and see sh- yeah. sh- 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 shows as much as i can and it's where i saw a ross's um what was his oh, standby for tape backup standby for tape Backup, which is still one of the best live things I've ever seen. It's it incredible. just blew me away. Yeah, um, I saw you. I bumped into you on your your way back from that. Right. Yeah. You yeah, were yeah. walking back to the Pleasant Dome after yep. seeing that, and it was like you just like you were just like I've just seen a th- I've just seen this thing. I've just seen, I've thing. seen this and thing. And it was it's, it's a weird one with things like that because obviously I know you know Ross all the better so it's like mm. you're, you're very aware but I still need to tell you how amazing yeah. this is I, <laughs> yeah. I know you're I know you're very aware how amazing yeah. it is but wow yeah yeah it was great um, so I wrote the script for John Pilcher took it to Edinburgh the next year and um, it sold out the entire run yeah um, Radio 4 came to watch it it got five star reviews it was just this ridiculous yeah um, kind of uh, response um, and so that meant that Radio 4 put it on uh, on the radio and that meant amazing. that I started to have meetings and so I started to have, suddenly there was, because at the time I'd done two books um, and some poetry stuff, but none of them were particularly big, even though they'd had bits of success, but I was still pretty much a nobody. 
Uh, so I was having meetings for the I first time. T- too enthusiastically with that. You <laughs> were <laughs> nobody. Yeah, <laughs> is that in your notes? <laughs> Why? I, I, make sure you mention these. Make sure you remind him that he <laughs> was a nobody and is now like one notch above. <laughs> and and you can go back to being a nobody yeah, very yeah, quickly. Yeah. Just one bad it's podcast. A notch, but yeah, no. <laughs> um, and so that it was at the same time that I met up with Molly. I used, lived with Molly for a couple of years. We both lived in Norwich and we were both looking for a new place to live at the same time. And so we said, let's get a flat together. So we lived together for two years and then she moved out and I went to do John Peel's shed. And I just got a text from her one day saying, hey, we haven't hung out for a while. Let's go, let's go to the cinema. Let's get a curry. Let's go to the pub. So we did all of those. Yeah, that's what we do in Norwich. (laughs) Um, And we had this sort of like midnight discussion on, after drinking lots of rum, just saying, what are your plans for next year? I said, I don't know. What are your plans? I sort of said, well, why don't, we, why don't we do something together? And she said, if you could write anything, what would it be? And I said, a TV sitcom. Mm. She said, that's what, that's what I want to do as well. And she said, what would it be about? And so all I knew is I wanted it to be about radio. I, yeah. want, I thought, if we can capture the essence of what we, what I had in John Peel's shed and not so much what was in John Peel's shed, but the conversations I had with people who enjoyed the show. They yeah. would just say, because what I'd written in John Peel's shed was pretty... I do need to reaffirm that the show was called John Peel's, John Peel's shed. shed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To capture what I had in John Peel's shed. <laughs> it's a different thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so what the material I wrote for John Peel's shed was pretty much irrelevant. People saw the records and they saw the record player and they were just transported back to their own times of music that was important to them, late-night radio that was important to them. They were all different ages, so it might be that they were remembering stuff they'd heard on MySpace, or it might be that it was John Peel or or, or thousands of other radio presenters. Lots of people had never heard of... It wasn't a show about John Peel at all, really. It was about that feeling of hearing the Smiths for the first time, hearing just that special band. What was that for you? What was the most exciting um, musical epiphany i mean this is going to be uh, an, uh, initially it was hendrix mm. which feels like a perfectly reasonable one but the the but the two bands that i that made me fall completely in love with music were Gr- Gr- green day and rancid okay so n- green day haven't r- a frowned upon a bit now but again yeah. at that time at school with dookie had just come dookie out was and the exciting, other albums, yeah. like, it was just such a wow, this is amazing, this is the most exciting thing in the world. And I think I got, I think, I'm sure I started with them and went b- backwards the, the, of then into the Pistols and the Clash yeah. and all these others that, that meant the world to me as well. But, yeah, I'd say uh, them two have to stand out at the time as, yeah. uh, as that moment. But. So that, that's what we wanted to do, was to create that kind of teenage excitement of yeah. of falling in love and listening to music and sort of how those two things are related. It's such a weird thing how it is you generally have that in your teens or yeah. at college or, or, or wherever the, 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 that is is the time. As, a, as an adult, you'll get into music, but not quite in the same way yeah. where you're listening over and over and yeah. over and over and yeah, yeah. obsessed. Um, and so we came up with this idea of having a, a, a sitcom about an 18-year-old boy First episode. First episode, he gets dumped by his beautiful girlfriend, yeah. and he's devastated. Um, but the, especially if your beautiful girlfriend is Georgina Campbell. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I did, I did, did feel so bad for him. Yeah, yeah, and he played that so well. Like, just we wanted everyone 
to just go back to that moment your heart breaks when yeah. you're 18. Amazingly simple as well. Just yeah. Very simple and straightforward, just that, yeah. that moment. Just her going, sorry, yeah. and him going, oh, I didn't know that was the plan. I thought we were... Yeah. Oh, I thought we thought it was all fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so we t- we just talked about who these characters would be. Um, Molly and I. Um, so this is sort of November of 2011, and it, it's the two things. One is like talking about an idea in a pub when you were a bit drunk. But the most exciting thing is the next morning when you wake up and think that was a really good idea. Yeah, you don't yeah, feel embarrassed. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so we sort of met up the next day, and it's like this is good, isn't it? This is yeah. really exciting. So we went to her mum and dad's in Cornwall uh, for the first week of January we spent in Falmouth and we just wrote I didn't write any script we just wrote the character we explored every character uh, this is what Molly brought to the table that I would never have done she was like what GCSEs did they do what colour hair have they got what yeah. does the mum do for a living what does the dad do for a living what are their motivated all that kind of thing that was so exciting and we yeah. just watched loads of uh, TV that we thought was similar in theme to stuff we wanted to do and we went and wrote the first scripts and we were so excited to do it. And we, we both wrote the first scripts separately. Yeah. And then we sort of merged it into this one mega document. Nice. Yeah. And, and we thought it was great. And we spent like six months just working on it. And then it's really weird. Another weird coincidence. Um, I'd done John Peel shed, um, at Soho theatre and this guy, who I think you know, um, Jeff Lloyd, yes, uh, yeah, radio, yeah, yeah. brilliant radio presenter, came yeah, along, and I'd fantastic. met Jeff. I'd met Jeff a couple of times. He'd been really supportive of me when I was writing my radio book. Um, when I interviewed someone from the Radio Times about radio for my radio book, they said you have to listen to Jeff Lloyd show. He's the best person on radio. He's so funny and interesting, and he really is. He's a friend who's not heard. He's on Absolute, and he's just got a really good. Just a good, good way about him. He's in, got a in good general. way about him. Yeah, it's just it's it's enjoyable and lovable. He gave me my um, most uncomfortable moment. Um, I was he he will have done. It, <laughs> we weren't even in the in in the same room, but um, I was driving along. I pulled over to do a tweet. I didn't. I, I was just, I was in traffic. It was bad. Yeah. I, I shouldn't. But I was driving along, and the new cult there was a Coldplay Christmas song. So this was, was probably two three years ago. They had some Christmas song. Mm. And I just tweeted saying how I can't remember what it was. I think something about it sounding like um, a, a David Brent song, it, and it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. it, it genuinely wasn't attacking because yeah. Coldplay are so easy to attack. But um, it was was saying something about how I didn't like it, and the song ended, and I heard Jeff Lloyd say. That was the new one from Coldplay, and that's especially for Scroobius Pip. I know he's a big fan, and realised <laughs> that he follows me on Twitter. Yeah. Just that weird. That weird moment of realising that Twitter and all these things yeah. are so public and there are people there and it is all interlinked just really brought... Because you do, you send tweets and you don't really think about it being the real world. It's you think weird, it's isn't just, it? It's on your phone. Yeah. So when it had that immediate affirmation of... what, what How come uh, Jeff, uh, Jeff, <laughs> Jeff Lloyd stolen my phone? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but yeah, sorry, that's um, Jeff Lloyd. <laughs> and so he, he did a radio show. He did, his, he did his show every day, but he used to do a show on Sunday evenings called Unknown Pleasures where he just played cool, interesting music yeah. like The Smiths and yeah. also new bands, new indie bands. I listened to it as much as I could. And the first 15 seconds of it was the song After Hours by the Velvet Underground. Mm-hmm. It's a really beautiful, sweet song. Yeah. And... It always really struck a chord with me. I always liked hearing it. And I thought that would be a great title for our sitcom. It would be a really good theme tune. And so I said this to Jeff. I met up with Jeff after doing John Peel Sheds because he came along to watch that. And 
just having that nice conversation of what are you up to? And I was like, I'm doing this book, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. And I said, oh, me and my friend Molly have just started writing this sitcom. And it's called After Hours because of your radio show and because you play After Hours at the start of your Sunday yeah. night show. And he said, well, I can't really take credit for that because there's a guy called Craig Cash who wrote The Royal Family. And he used to do a radio show in Manchester in the 80s. And it was my favourite radio show. And he said he started every show with the first 15 seconds of After Hours by the Velvet Underground. I just, it just nicked it from him. Just passed on. And he said, um, I met up with Craig recently and he's got his own production company. And he said he's on the lookout for scripts um, for sitcoms. So if you want to, you can send me your scripts and if I think it's the kind of thing he'd like, I'll forward it to him. So I emailed it to him, and two days later, me and Molly got an email from Craig Cash going, hi, guys, uh, Jeff sent me your script. Um, I love it, and I promise you I'm going to make sure it's on TV. That's amazing. So suddenly me and Molly went from being these two people who were sort of like, didn't really know what we were doing with this sitcom, just apart from just enjoying it and making it really good, yeah. and knowing that at some stage we would send it out. Um, Craig Cash was emailing us saying, when can I meet you? I want to talk to you on the phone. Amazing. So Molly spoke to him on the phone at half one the next day. She, he, we arranged it to be at half one. Then at about half two, she texted me and she said, get to my house ASAP. So I had to bike to her flat and she was outside on the front doorstep with a cigarette and she just said, he wants to meet us, he wants to work with us, he wants to make it as amazing as possible and he thinks he can get it on TV. That's awesome. Um... And he did. And he did. <laughs> and he did. Yeah. Um, how much, for, uh, from watching it, um, th- three episodes, isn't there, Ben? I've, I've so far, three, yeah. Three episodes so far. Um, and or, or this will be going out in December, so it might have been sometime in December. So there would have been yeah. more. But um, one of the things that st- struck me was how distracted you could get when writing it by choosing which yeah. s- songs you're going to have in and play. Because it's... it's it's a, it's a construct that allows you to nerd out as a music fan. Totally. So it allows you to go, right, now we'll just have this song and they'll all enjoy it or sing along or whatever. How how distracting was that? And how much... Were there any songs that you had to change from your original idea of what you're going to play? Because, again, it's one thing to write it down. Yeah. It's another thing to get it cleared and get it well, in there. at first we assumed that we wouldn't be allowed to even name the songs. So in our script it just said, cool music plays. Right, brilliant. It's like brilliant. Lauren puts on a cool a song by an interesting sounding band. And then Craig, <laughs> said, Craig said to us, that would really help me if you just put like your absolute ideal choice of song at each moment. Yeah. And then we'll worry about clearance later on. Uh, and also by this stage Sky One were interested because they yeah. do really interesting comedies and he said Stuart Murphy who works at Sky has got really good taste in music so like he he will really get it and so yeah. we don't have to worry so about it can become a selling point if yeah. to, if, if you're reading the script and then the songs that are coming up are songs that you love then that's going to yeah. get you even more on board well Ardlo Hanlon or Father Dougal as you yep. know him um, <laughs> the, the reason one of the reasons that he took the role is because he just looked at the songs in the script and just thought, wow, these are not... Like, um, Blister in the Sun by the Violent Femmes is there. And yeah. he just thought, that's my favourite song from being a teenager. I yeah, can't yeah. believe there's a script with Violent Femmes. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, there were a few songs that we weren't allowed. One song that I really wanted was um, Sage Francis, The Best of Times. Yeah. Um, but couldn't get clearance for certain songs. But actually, a lot of them, we've got Modest Mouse, we got clearance for, and The Pixies. I can't believe and- Sage didn't... Al- 
allowance. I think it's probably nothing to do with set. Yeah. Like, it's the sort of thing that if we'd fought for, we probably could have like got got to him eventually. Because yeah, I yeah. did think oh, maybe I just email, send yet another email yeah, to yeah. Scrooby. So just give me a shout, <laughs> dear dear Mister Pip. But what um, a beautiful song as well. But, but but yeah, I can understand that. Again, I know how people can be particularly independent artists can be particularly cautious of scenes yeah. and things like that. And Arctic yeah. Monkeys just don't license any of their music. Yeah. I really respect them yeah. for that as well. Fine, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but luckily we were allowed some amazing, in After Hours, I think one of the great, things, the brilliant actors, but the music I think is the the, the, the other strongest selling yeah. point. Yeah. And I think in the six episodes, we've got things like the Mountain Goats, Hefner, who were my favourite band as a teenager, yeah. Um, we've got a Damon Albarn solo track, um, Modest Mouse, The Smiths, Pixies, um, and just have it. Baby Shambles did a cover of the Velvet Underground song as well. Yeah, Pete Doherty just like really like it's it's amazing. He did it especially for us. Oh, especially which, for again, I'd I'd heard it obviously on in in the show, but yeah, it's brilliant. And so yeah, that was really exciting. Like just coming up with those songs, and those, but also. We had to agree on it, Molly and I. We've got really similar taste, which was uh, lucky. Yeah. Uh, and Craig has got really similar taste as well. Yeah. Um, so, and, yeah, so sometimes doing the edit, it was quite hard. We had to find the perfect song. But also Sky, we thought at some stage Sky would say, you can't just have these <laughs> little indie bands in your show. You've got, to yeah. have, you've got to have it bigger. But they just let us, at every stage, they just let yeah. us do what we wanted. It's interesting because, again, it is, it's... Yeah, I guess it's weird. It, it, at no point did it cross, or in, or in the three episodes I've seen, at no point did it cross my mind that it's little indie bands or whatever, because it yeah. was all songs that I was, was so f- familiar with anyway. Yeah. So it's one of them. It's like, I was thinking, God, this must have cost a fortune to get all these cleared. Yeah. And then you realise, well, no, actually, this isn't the kind of stuff that would necessarily cost a fortune yeah, to get I think, it all cleared. It I, is the more obscure and more unusual. It just happens to be similar to what I grew up listening to or, or, or whatever else. Yeah, there's a band called The Lovely Eggs who are in it, one of my favourite bands. And I, think I, they, I sampled them on my on, on, on distraction pieces on my solo album. Oh, really? So on the, on the song um, Death of the Journalist, yeah. um, it was produced by Zane Lowe, and he mm. was a big fan of, of The Lovely Eggs. Yeah. And he put a sample... Um, of them and it's just I'm a journalist I'm a journalist from there yeah short song <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but um, yeah and we again I had to hit them up and go can yeah I've only just found out where this was from I really like it but yeah. the album's coming out in a few weeks is it alright to they do <laughs> it I'm going to print they're like yeah they do it for a part of strong band yeah, those yeah, two. yeah exactly lovely people yeah um, so yeah that was that was the real sp- the really special thing about that show is the, the I, I do think that we did. Luckily, Craig Craig Cash had worked in radio for a long time. He'd worked in pirate radio. He'd worked in genuinely, um, I think it was illegal pirate radio yeah. um, in the eighties when when that was like a real thing. Um, this is just like a legal show that streams on the internet. So there's yeah. nothing illegal about it. They just yeah. do it on a boat because they happen to have a boat. Oh, well, I mean, we're recording this. Uh, a Radio X, formerly XFM, have kindly lent me their studios to record this, and they started off as. Mm. as a pirate as an illegal yeah. hidden station kind of thing and yeah. it's exciting isn't it it's the thought that people would exciting. risk risk <laughs> risk prison sentences if, to put the if, radio if on. people haven't heard it and if you haven't heard it um when i had john kennedy on mm. it's one of the best podcasts i've ever had because he's such a historian of, of, of radio and if, yeah. if you're if you're if got any interest in radio at all this isn't just plugging my podcast because also i think it's the podcast i speak the least on because mm. i'm just sat there in awe of john just telling this story of the birth of XFM, 
his involvement of when he w- he used to work in the um, in the BBC audio library. Uh, so so or, 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 no, the BBC gramophone library. So yeah. literally just catalogues and catalogues of just the most amazing music that at that point r- regional BBC stations would request to take out and you'd send it off. So it's the same yeah. record going around all these just amazing stuff. But yeah. Yeah, I've gone off track there, but I recommend that one. But there are so many, like, I, and I can just absorb these stories mm. about radio. I think there's something so magical yeah. ab- about it, and, and especially pirate radio in the '60s. Yeah. Like listening I mean, to the Velvet Underground late at night is just yeah. beautiful. It's definitely it's it's it's, it's exciting because obviously tonally, the sh- the, it's very different. But it's it reminded me of a similar thing that uh, This Is England was so good at yeah. of using of, of allowing. And again, it might seem in some way like a cheap trick, but allowing the all the emotions you already have in you because of certain songs, all the work that's already been done there, using that to draw you in that bit quicker and that bit to make you completely committed and relating to these characters in this show because they've gone, here's this song. I know that song means to you what it meant to me. Yeah. Also means to you what it mean, means to these characters who yeah. are fictional, but now they're not because yeah. they're, they're feeling exactly the same as you feel about these songs. That was a massive influence. This is England '86. Yeah. Um, I think it was just '86 had been out by the time when we were when writing, writing it. it. Yeah, yeah. And just the way that they do those, the mon- Shane Meadows montages are yeah. so incredible, and Absolutely and stunning. that gang mentality. What's what we really wanted? We like to think of it as well. The two taglines we like for our sitcom is one is is a sitcom for six music listeners, yeah, um, yeah. and the other is that it's sort of like the nicer side of um, of this is England, or yeah. like the less yeah. dangerous side yeah, of yeah, this yeah, is yeah, England. Yeah. And that's what Jamie Winston, when she first read the scripts, she um, really loved about it because she said that. She was like turning the page because she couldn't wait to find out what the twist was or like, yeah. when's it going to all turn bad? And then she got to the end and she thought, it didn't. oh, it doesn't have to go bad. And then she just had to read it again with this. I love that. I love that writing at the moment. Brett Goldstein and John Drever, who did Super Bob um, and numerous others. Um, this, there's, It's a real skill, I think, to mm-hmm. write. I think in many ways, I, I don't think I could do it. I, I think I need to have a dark twist. I need, yeah. I need to turn it somewhere. But it's a huge skill to write stuff that is just, it remains nice. And there are t- 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 twists and turns along along the yeah. way, obviously. But yeah. 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 It's not it's just intriguing. One, it's not just people like really enjoying a cup of tea. It's nice. Everything's great. Yeah. It's those people about to go out and it starts to rain. So the garbage will we'll just stay in. I'm, I'm, I'm Close credits. torn on, on, on who I hope. A Willow ends up with who's who's the main character in it. I'm already torn. Yeah, but again, I don't know. If that's yeah. It's yeah. It's, it's it's tough. But we won't go in. Like I don't want to, you know, get get too deep into that. I want to ask. You were saying how you spent. Are, are you and Molly spent a lot of time really getting into these characters when you're writing mm. them? Their GCSEs, everything. How was it during the casting process, or even just seeing it on the screen? Because. Jamie Winston, you mentioned amazing coup and such a great actress. And she's brilliant. She Craig suggested her very early on, yeah. and and her and Willow were the two. Um, well, it was, it was really hard to cast all of them because the characters were so specific. That's, and I was, so I was, was, was going to say, as you were saying that earlier, I was thinking on other things on on bits I've been working on. I've almost gone the opposite direction on certain characters. Yeah. It's like, right, I want to write it, but then I want to just find that person yeah. and not be put off because they're not at this. So did any of that come in? Was there any, 
well, Jamie Winston, yes, obviously she's amazing, but she's not the person that we've written, yeah. you know, anything like that, or, or, for, or for any of the others, obviously. We're, we're quite lucky. We, 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 the characters were so well drawn from a very early stage. It was never like we were thinking, well, this will be a, 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 a Benedict Cumberbatch character, or yeah. this will be Martin yeah, yeah, Freeman. Yeah, yeah, we were thinking... Yeah. Um, this is Lauren. This, this is, is Lauren. the group created her. This yeah. is what, so we could see her in. It might be a problem if we if we're lucky enough to have a second series. Do we then go back to the Lauren that was in our head, or do we go to Jamie Winston? Know. I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know. But um, so we we auditioned maybe ten uh, actresses for Lauren. Um, Jamie was in LA, and so had sent a video tape in. So we already knew that we had her and that she was keen. Yeah. And no one like all of the other actresses were so good. But you had to be funny. You had to be. You had to be so many different things. You had yeah. to look like you were in an indie band ten years ago yeah. and, <laughs> and hadn't quite recovered from it. Yeah. And so a lot of the actresses were actually like too good, too <laughs> too poly, too, 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 too yeah. like, like Jamie just had this rawness yeah. that that. Uh, and the problem was with um, casting Willow. Yeah. Willow is the main character is an eighteen-year-old shy boy. And 18-year-old boys, 18-year-old actors who come to auditions are not shy. They are yeah. confident. Yeah. And so either they were far too confident or they were trying to play shy. They're trying to act yeah. as shy. And shy is a very hard thing to act because you go too far. Really? Like, it's not like, like I was saying about myself, it's not like he's cripplingly shy. And yeah. so they were going for like cripplingly shy or confident. And, and so Craig Cash was it's saying... It's a middle ground of... Yeah, he's saying, well, maybe we're, we're going to have to find someone who isn't an actor like maybe it's just someone natural again it's the shame, uh, uh, shame, shame yeah, com- way. and it's, completely. it's it's what i've lucked out and traded off in the in the couple of acting roles i've had this year the feedback i got on the auditions was because both of them were kind of a, a, a medieval they were mm-hmm. saying it's so hard because actors come in having to be grand and yeah. medieval but because i didn't have any of that training <laughs> yeah. i just went in they said we want you to kind of do it in your own voice, yeah, and just do it in the language that's here, but not being forsooth, you know, and being all or anything weird. It was like that's what that's how I got the gigs in that one because yeah. I, I didn't have that those things to unlearn, if you know what I mean. I went in and just went, I read the lines, and then I left each each audition thinking probably haven't got that i literally just went in and said those words in my voice but yeah that's kind of what, that's what, what they we wanted. want yeah and so but luckily this kid called james tarpey auditioned and immediately uh it was just like yes yes 100 percent him uh, and we can't describe what it was and actually on screen he looks so he's so subtle and yeah. craig cash was the person who gave james mcavoy his first tv appearance right. and there feels something similar with james yeah. McAvoy, not wanting yeah. to hype up yeah. james tarpey but also no, casting ollie uh it was just so exciting because it's a guy called rob kendrick who's not done a great deal of tv before a lot of the cast have not done a great deal of tv yeah. before which is something we were really keen to get just this we didn't want people to go oh that's the guy from Peep show. That's the girl I saw her as a yeah. like a waitress in. So they are your characters. There are characters, yeah. And there's that that, that uh, the pulling together and excitement. I had had Kurt Sutter on um, two weeks ago, um, and he was talking about uh, when he started writing on the Shield, mm. and he went on to do Sons of Anarchy and the Bass Executioner and Southpaw and, and and loads more. But on the Shield, it was exciting because almost everyone from crew to cast were all kind of knew it and kind of blagging it a bit yeah. there were a few a few there to steady the ship but there was so much where 
they were just all in it together. And there's no in in that situation, there's no one that's that's, that's looking down on anyone else or questioning anyone else's place. You're all more just yeah. right. What do we do? Let's, <laughs> let's make this work, and that can bring the best it's, projects yeah, out. Yeah, totally. And also, I think w- one thing we really wanted with our sitcom is that it looks unlike anything else that's been on TV. Yeah. One of the reasons that happens is because our director of photography is a guy called Daff, who works very closely with Craig, and he just he's like this BAFTA award-winning, amazing director. He's just so interesting colours and positioning and yeah. very precise. So he makes it look so beautiful. Uh, the fact that we set it on a canal helps because yeah. they're so sexy. Um, but Molly and I, um, because we didn't know how to write a sitcom, we weren't following kind of rules. We weren't following anything. We weren't drawing from experience of other yeah. sitcoms we'd done. It was just like fresh and new. And we had such an amazing time writing that sitcom. And it was so f- Every time we met up, we were just making each other laugh, and it was like the most special time. And we really hope that that comes across on the yeah. page. And if people, it's are definitely, in- it's great. It's definitely. Um, I mean, uh, what you were saying there about the direction and the cinematography, I guess it it it, it does come through. I, was, I think it was in episode three when they're all round uh, the dinner table, and humour wise and the characters wise. I was watching it thinking this should remind me of, of Friday Night Dinner, which I think is a great a, a, a great thing that Channel mm. 4 did with Tom Rosenthal yeah. and, some, and some really good people. I think it should feel like that, but just something about the feel, it didn't at all. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's, it's still, ha- I, was, I was watching, it's got the same kind of humour, it's so well a, a written in a similar way, but something about the way it's shot and the way it's it's all, all presented, it feels... Yeah, unique in that way. That's good. Yeah, and also I think a little bit because that's the only time in the whole series they sit around that dinner table. Yeah. So it's not like oh, and now it's the yeah, yeah, it's or the now it's scenes, and now yeah. it's someone on Twitter messaged me Molly um, last night after episode three and just said, "I love that it's so pure and natural and there's no wacky neighbour." And I think there's been some great wacky neighbours in yeah. sitcoms, but yeah, 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 yeah. It's just I've never had a wacky neighbour. No, um, I'd love it if it was awkward, and, and you're like, oh god, episode four yeah. is when we introduce the wacky neighbour. <laughs> yeah, gonna, yeah. It's gonna be an although I, I think you'd be a great wacky neighbour if we get a second <laughs> yeah, series. Yeah, I think I think it needs to be shoehorned in. You need a wacky neighbour. <laughs> well, I mean, we've gone comfortably over an hour now, so I'll start to wrap up. What's the plan going forward? I'd imagine at the moment you're just reveling in the fact that you've got a bloody sitcom on TV. Yeah, I've really been really enjoying the fact that it's out because we filmed it 18 months ago, oh, wow. so it feels like a long. It's, it's all been a long time coming. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I've loved... I, I love that Molly and I are writing quite a few new little things at the moment, Great. just sort of, like, developing ideas. We're desperate for episode uh, for a second series yeah. that would be really exciting because we think we just know we could can make it really yeah, good yeah, we can yeah, take yeah. the characters really because uh, all of the actors are so talented we know that we can just give them anything and to it's do. the beauty of when as said you've spent all that time on building the characters with so much information that hasn't even made it on yeah. screen yet yeah. do you know what I mean is, is that you, you can have confidence that before you've even got a plan of what the next series main story arcs will be it's like I know these characters have got so much that you don't know about them yet that we've yeah. not been able to get to get in because yeah yeah because that's actually we were commissioned to write the first three episodes yeah and then there was a long time until Sky um, commissioned episodes four five and six right so for ages Molly and I were just going we want to we were like fans we're going we want to be able to write episodes four five well, and six so that we know episode. what happens yeah, yeah, to yeah, them yeah, yeah. and so yeah we're doing that uh, I'm doing uh, I'm writing a new book uh, which I never thought I'd do again because I thought it was such a 
I thought I'd done with books. I thought it was a fun thing that yeah. I'd done in the past, but I had a really good idea. Yeah. So I'm now trying to do and a Dave new... Dave Gorman wasn't up, up Dave, writing it, yeah. so... <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm... I'm going to try it. That's my thing for the next few weeks is Excellent. just knuckling down with that. And then just hopefully just do more and more poetry gigs. I'm, I find that I'm enjoying it um, more than I ever have done, really. Yeah. Um, like writing poems and doing going, going along from place to place. It's amazing to have that variation. And I think it's something to cross over between the lot. Because from a lot of the writers I know, the thing that starts to send them absolutely insane and a lot of writers are insane mm. um is that it's largely or often obviously a bit different if you're writing in a, cl- a collaborative partnership it's largely something that um you do on your own and inspiration yeah. and you and, and, and you knuckle down and the beauty of your of your balance is you you're gonna have a lot of that because that's mm. the nature of writing but then you also have another part that is still your professional life and still your creative life that you get to go out and do in front of people yeah. and engage with people and have that engagement whereas yeah a lot of writers it's that knuckle down and then if they're going out it's to blow off steam and yeah. that can be where it can all start to fall apart and, and crumble so yeah so it's I've, a great combination to have that 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 balance yeah and i've got three really because i've got that and i've got writing on my own on my own stuff and then yeah. just working with like I guess you had this with Dan, but just working with one of your friends and yeah. just going around with them, and it's such a a night, like such a privilege and yeah. such a luxury. And so you want to make sure it becomes that becomes a shared and exciting thing. It becomes you can a shared thing. And go, because we were lucky enough to be on set every day of the sitcom, and yeah. we were just sitting next to each other, and we just it was yeah. And the great part lo- there is there's someone that you can be excited about, yeah. and not be boasting. Yeah, you exactly. know what I mean. You can't text all your mates going. This has just happened. Yeah. Because there's going to be a point where they're going, all right. Yeah. All right, I'm at work, mate. <laughs> yeah. Out. But there's someone that you can actually have all that excitement with who's equally excited and you go, they've just commissioned three more episodes. Yeah. Was, or whatever, you know. Yeah. I've got such happy memories of all of those, like, like the, the big points of building yeah. up to it and also being there and then watching the first episodes a couple of weeks ago at our friend's house was just, yeah. It's like, yes. It was like shaking hands and, Going well, yeah. well, well, well done. done. Let's do it again. Down. Let's keep doing it. So, so, where can people keep up to date with you and all of your doings? Uh, I've got a website called johnosbornwriter.com. Excellent. Uh, and Twitter, John Oz Radiohead. John Oz Radiohead. Which I don't like that as a Twitter handle, but when when I started it, it's because I was only going to tweet about radio because my book had just come out about yep. radio. Yeah. So now I'm just lumbered it's, with it. It's like early email addresses. Isn't yeah. It? Early, when people join, when people were early on to. Twitter, it was always for a specific thing. I think for me, I'd just started my club night and I was like, yeah. I'm worried. I don't know what this this social network is, but I need to, I need, I've heard I need to be on there to promote yeah. stuff. And then, but thankfully, I chose, I chose Trubius Pip Yo still. I didn't, it's, I don't know. It's fine. When you're 70, it might be. Yeah, it'd be awkward. But at the yeah. moment, I can still wear high top trainers <laughs> and jumpers with lions on. So I'm fine. I'm getting by. Well, thank you very much for coming on. It's been a delightful chat. Hey, thank you for having me. I hope this has been all right. Yeah, it's been absolutely lovely. And I look f- I f- I forward to watching the rest of the series and hoping for a, a, a follow-up. Yeah, that'd be nice. Thank you very much, sir. You've been listening to Scrooge Picks.
That was John Osborne. What a lovely dude. Um, was great to chat with him. I'm a big fan of the guy and it, I've said numerous times with this podcast, the podcast is a great opportunity at times to catch up with people that I generally only get to see in, in work situations or at festivals or whatever else. So it was lovely to sit down and have a good chat with John. Um, a fascinating dude and to give you an extra free podcast this week. Um, yeah, as I mentioned, I, th- I think I mentioned in the, in the outro of the Richard Herring podcast, uh, last week or this week. Double week, double December. Um, yeah, it's it's. I, I find him so inspirational because he's not someone that I see as a real a go getter or a networker, kind of a hustler. He's he's not that guy. He's a really nice, friendly dude, but he's not someone that strikes me as going out and getting business meetings and hustling. Um, but he's absolutely killing it. He's had as he as we discussed, he's had three books and he's got a TV series and it just seems to be going from strength to strength to strength and that's purely off of his his talent, his ability and his loveliness. I will also add that s- since we recorded that, I think it was in episode 4, cheeky little cameo from uh, John Osborne in after hours there. I was particularly excited to see him pop up buying um I believe a cupcake and an orange juice. Um so yeah, that was nice to see. I, I, I meant to, one of my questions I had planned was, well, do you intend to write yourself into anything that you do in the future? Um, so it was then hilarious that he just popped up. I didn't get around to asking that because we got on so many different subjects. And then he just pops up, just buying a little buying a little cupcake and, a, and an orange juice, I think. Um, so yeah, that was lovely. Um, next week's episode, really excited about this. Um, it's the founder of a company called Ecotricity. And this is possibly the first company we've had on. Um, and I discussed this in the, in the, uh, podcast. So I won't go into it so much, but I don't, I've been approached numerous times to do sponsored guests. So a company would want a, one of their, um, spokesmen or someone like that, who are a bit of a character to come on and be a guest on the podcast. And I've turned them all down and this isn't that FYI. Um, he's not a sponsored guest. He's, it was a subject that I found fascinating, particularly with the um, the climate summit that was, was has been been going on. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting discussion. There's some interesting f- facts. I found it absolutely fascinating. I'd encourage you to listen if you aren't like if if you aren't a, s- a silly hippie. I know it sounds like kind of hippie stuff, and and silly hippie. I'm saying that in a joking way. I'm not really having a go, but there was a lot I went into sceptical and some, some still, again, we have discussions. There's some bits I don't, we don't hundred percent see eye to eye on. Um, but 90% of it, you know, we do, there's bits that I'm sceptical of. And then he, he reasons with me articulately and intelligently and from an informed base, which is the most important part. And yeah, he's, he's spot on, man. So, um, yeah, I recommend you check that one out next week. It's a very good one. For, for, for this time of year as well because it's quite heartwarming it's also physically warming because it's about electricity and energy and power so you could you could learn some stuff to actually be physically warm as well as emotionally warm so check that out you will enjoy it i swear down um i've been scroobius pip you can find me at scroobius pipio um on twitter and instagram or facebook.com slash Scroobius Pip. Um, So yeah, until next week, see ya.